Welcome back to the Play On Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Stavros. Today we'll be speaking to Britannia Howe, the director for the Shakespeare in the Schools touring company production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Britannia is a graduate of Southern Utah University, where she received a degree in classical theater. She's worked for the Cabaret Theater, Eugene O'Neill Theater Center, Innovative View Theater Company, and the Utah Shakespeare Festival. Britannia is also the recipient of the ACTF Kennedy Center National Directing Fellowship. Britannia, thank you for joining us on the Play On podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, this is exciting, uh, knowing that uh, you know you are a Cedar City native and uh, an SU grad, which is amazing. Uh, and you're here directing this uh, Shakespeare in the Schools production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Before we start talking about the show, I'd love to hear a little bit about uh, you know you and what you love about theater. Uh, some work you've done, uh, the, our listeners, uh, knowing that you've done other stuff other places as well. And then uh, we'll start talking about the show. Great. Um, well, I moved here in 99, and I attended high school here, and then I went to SUU here in Cedar City. And I thought I wanted to be an actor when I grew up, and I, that's what I have my degree in, a BFA in classical acting. But then I didn't get cast in a show. <laughs> Is actually has does tend to happen. I know it was Glass Menagerie and um, ACTF, which is the American College Theater Festival. I decided to um, put a play together, and I got four of my good friends together, and we drove to LA, and that was really my first hand at directing. I did Anatomy of Grey, a ten-minute version of Anatomy of Grey, and they put gave me a scene, and the scene was like. I don't know, maybe 10 pages. But of course, I wanted to tell the whole play, the whole story of Anatomy of Grey. And so I did a little before and then a little after. And then I did the scene <laughs> in between. And uh, that's, yeah. And, and I ended up winning that. And then they sent me to um, the Kennedy Center. And there was a competition there. And I ended up getting the fellowship, the directing National Directing Fellowship. And that opened up a whole bunch of doors and opportunities directing um, and then that summer, it was in 2011, I assistant directed under David for, I think it was, yeah, Romeo, Romeo and Juliet. Juliet yeah. Yep. And then also J.R. Sullivan, which was uh, The Glass Menagerie. So, so st you still got to work on Glass Menagerie. I did, all. just in, yeah, a different position. And um, then from there, I worked with the Eugene O'Neill Festival, which is New Plays in Connecticut. And I just recently moved back from Oregon, and I started a children's theater company there. They had they have the Oregon Shakespeare Festival there, which is huge, America's first Shakespeare festival. And um, but they didn't have any children's theater, and so I wanted to make sure that I got some compensation. Sure. <laughs> so I didn't um, necessarily start uh, from scratch, but I did go to the public schools, and I said, "You don't have." Uh, theater, you know, for youth program, and I would like to start something like that. And they said, okay, here's some money. And so I've been doing that for the last three years, and then we just moved back. So, so program builder, director, actor, uh, amazing. What? So speaking of, what drew you to this to directing knowing that you have an in, had an interest in a background in acting mm -hmm. what sort of internally made the switch for you what did what did you i feel like my um talents are geared more towards directing than they are to acting there were better actors and i felt like maybe my position was to step aside and let them do their thing and i could aesthetically see the entire show and collaborate and motivate I remember being asked a question when I went to that 
um, festival, the American College Theatre um, Festival competition, and they said, a director is fill-in-the-blank. And I thought about it, and in that moment, I said, a motivator. And that's, I think, kind of what changed and switched it for me, because I think that's what, and I think an educator is the same thing. An educator and a director just motivates those around them to have the muses speak to them, you know, to to be have other people inspire. And I think that's what kind of made the switch for me was in that moment. So for you, having directed... Uh and now directing professionals with a with an aim to go to a younger audience. This mm-hmm. tour goes to middle and high school students mm-hmm. uh, all over the West. Uh, what do you do? You sort of see it as a merging of those two ideals: that educator and director, in terms of motivator. Yeah, and I think that's why I've enjoyed this process so much, is because I, you know, I really love the education side, but then I also really love creating with professionals, and so I think that's why I, I've really enjoyed this process and why it's been a dream to work on it is because it's blended both of those together. So let's talk about the, the show. The production is Midsummer Night's Dream. For those mm-hmm. of our listeners that aren't familiar with the tour specifically, it's a cut-down version of a Shakespeare play that travels uh, with eight actors and three technicians to Utah, Nevada, Arizona, uh, sometimes Idaho, Wyoming. But either way, it's around 80 performances uh, from January, end of January all the way through uh, and into April. Uh, and it's served a lot of people a lot of places. Uh, so knowing that this was the audience, having perhaps seen productions of the tour before, mm-hmm. when you were when you sort of pitched your concept, what how did what did you pitch? What was your what was your concept, and what what did you want to sort of communicate as what was important to the tour for you about the tour for you? Well, the idea that I pitched was all about storytelling, but I kind of want to tell you how I got to that. Okay. So the way that I got to that, I found out that they were doing a Midsummer Night's Dream, and so I decided to read a Midsummer Night's Dream, and I got to the very end of the play, and usually people cut this out, but Theseus speaks, and I'm going to read. He says, "And as imagination bodies forth." The forms of things unknown, the poet's pen turns them to shapes and gives to airy nothing, a local habitation and a name. Such tricks have strong imagination that if it would apprehend some joy, it comprehends some bringer of that joy. And that, I was, I stopped dead in my tracks and I was like, wow, that imagination. So in the, in the context of the play, Shakespeare. I mean, Theseus is actually like making fun of like, do you actually believe these fables that these lovers are are talking of? They're crazy. But I thought of it as like a positive and I was like, oh, our brain and, you know, the power of imagination. What if we, we did it all within a story? And so the idea that I pitched was everything would be made out of text and paper. So literally from page to stage. And it would, that's the idea that I pitched that, um, Theseus talks about this imagination and the power of imagination and storytelling. And so I actually told them what the blocking would be in the very beginning when I pitched my idea and I wrote it to um, the artistic directors that an individual or a student would come on stage and have the book of A Midsummer Night's Dream and would read A Midsummer Night's Dream by William Shakespeare. And then there would be a chime that would go bing and the page would open and everything would spring to life. And that's actually in our production. I didn't think it would make it that far, but it's in our production. <laughs> that's awesome. So. Well, so so how did your designers sort of take that concept and run with it as far as this particular production? I I feel like the show is so beautiful because of their job. Um, ben and I tease each other because they say, oh, that's so beautiful. This scene's so, so beautiful. And he's like, I gave her what she wanted. And I was like, no, it was all him. But um, 
yeah, our scenery, Ben Holman, he did such a beautiful job. So it looks like, it actually looks like a pop-up book and there's text on the trees and the, the backdrop is the first folio of the first and last page. We toyed, some, we, we, you know, toyed with different ideas, um, what should be the backdrop and I said, it has to be a page, but we didn't know what page. But So we did the very first page and the very last page of the first folio um, of A Midsummer Night's Dream. And then the trees and the rocks are made out of that, too. And then the costume designer, uh, Stephen Schmid, he did a fantastic job. And he had this idea of having the costumes made out of a paper-like material. And he did a ton of research into finding out what could be worn over and over and over again, but not tear, but still look and feel like paper. And it sounds like paper when they move and they um, run across the stage, but that audience members can write on. So the audience come, the actors come and uh, the audience uh, will write on them and carry uh, throughout the performance. They'll be able to carry their different signatures or quotes on them through the different performances. Interesting idea. So so the, literally the audience will have a part to play, not just in watching the show, but they will li quite literally leave their mark yes. on the show, on these costumes, on these papery costumes. Yeah. To uh, all the theater teachers out there might, that might be listening, what is this amazing material that uh, the designer found? <laughs> it's actually Tyvek. It's what those asbestos suits are made out of. Oh. He got just rolls and rolls of it, and it's really lightweight. And we write, he colored with it. He, I don't know what kind of treatment he did, but Sharpies cannot uh, like fade at all. So he did all and these it sharpies. it doesn't bleed or anything It weird? doesn't bleed. Yeah, the Sharpies don't bleed. And I know it's kind of scary the very first time he's like, okay, we need to start writing on them. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> let's wait one more day because the, the costumes are so beautiful. But he's like, this is what it's all about. It's all about giving the power of storytelling to the audience and um, having them involved. But he actually tried Clorox and he tried all sorts of different um, washing material things, and it doesn't come off. So you so. can wash these things, like yeah. in a wa in a laundry in a washing machine in a washing machine, and it doesn't fade. That's amazing. Yeah, uh, you'll be, you can find pictures of this of what she's describing on our uh, on the festival website bard.org/tour uh, if you're interested. Uh, so coming to the story, it's so exciting to hear you talk about it from the element of storytelling. What? Why is this story? Why does this story matter? kids. Why does the story of Midsummer Night's Dream matter to middle and high school students who are going to be seeing it? When I was interviewing, in answer to your question, when I was interviewing uh, the actors, I asked them what their first production that they ever saw of Shakespeare was, and half of them said A Midsummer Night's Dream. So I feel like A Midsummer Night's Dream is a perfect touchstone for these reasons. Um, it talks about parental disapproval. In the beginning, Hermia comes, and um, she wants to marry Lysander, but her um, father, or in this case, we had a mother. Aegeus doesn't um, want her to. We also have craftsmen play. There's a bunch of misfit people, and they all want to put a play together. And in the end, I think that they are successful because it's all about ensemble and a group. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, love. I think that's perfect. And the lovers quarrel and the love triangle for high school. Um, and also I kind of like the fairy, um, the world of the fairies, there's a magic and a dreaming to it. And that's, I think where a lot of the storytelling plays Puck is our master storyteller in the beginning. And she transforms into this, um, fairy. And in the end she steps out as that too. And in a way I've kind of made her our protagonist, um, in this and, 
she has a journey that kind of changes her. So in a way, I think it's also storytelling. So. Cool. At the time we're recording this, you've had uh, a preview and a, and a student performance. Mm-hmm. Talk about uh, the uh, talk about the experience you had last night at the uh, at the local correctional facility. Yeah, it was really beautiful. We had there was eight um, individuals, eight boys, who um, watched. And when they, I went to go see them set up, and I thought in that moment, I thought. How wonderful it is that all of these people, designers included and, you know, executives and stuff like that, maybe 15 people are putting all of their effort into just eight individuals. So that was really wonderful. And that was really, um, it was really life changing to see how, how much they uh, loved and learned and listened and how smart they are and that we would do it for just eight um, it, yeah, it was really great. We also have audience, audience participation uh-huh. and, um, we have them wall and moonshine. And so they're very heavily involved. And there's this one guy who was just so into his character, um, wall, and he was ready to be there. It was really, it was really great too. And, and the cast had a, it was a positive experience for the cast. Oh yeah, I know it's it's something organizationally we look forward to every year. Yes, yeah. this, this sort of sets the tone for the tour. Yeah, and, uh, it's it's a cool. Ex- I'm I'm glad it was a positive experience again. Yeah, it was very positive, and I found it so interesting. Like you go through all these locked doors, like locked door, locked door, locked door, and you know, like you can't have your cell phone. There's all these protocol. I'm like, really? This is our first show. They've chosen this to be our first show. <laughs> that you know, all of us will go in there and. And there's all, you know, these rules, but yeah, it's really beautiful that they can um, tell a story to those individuals. Well, the director, your work is nearly finished with the show about to or having opened mm-hmm. now. Uh, sort of what are your thoughts as you send it out on the road? I am so proud of them. And they are, all of the people that have worked on this are such great collaborators. They're so giving to each other. And mm-hmm. I think that they tell a really beautiful story. And I'm really excited for people to see it. One final question. Uh, yeah. As we, as I, you're, you know, you're, the thing you said at the beginning has been with me the whole interview, this idea of, you know, you were a young theater artist, you were an, you were, you were an actor mm-hmm. and you, you got the bug and switched. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to any students listening who are, want to be involved in theater, but acting may not be for them? What, what, you know, having made the journey that you're on and now you're working Mm -hmm. professionally, what sort of advice would you give to a student in high school who wants to stay involved, who wants to be involved in theater? Mm -hmm. I would say be involved in all aspects of theater. And I think that's kind of what made me um, successful as a director because I'm able to see lighting and I know a little bit about lighting and, um, you know, uh, directing, but also script analysis and um, technical in whatever way you can, I would say, get your um, hands wet and get your hands dirty in all spe- aspects of theater, whether you're cast in the show or, or whether you're not. <laughs> so um, you'll have lots of setbacks. And um, I think that if it's something that you love, then you should pursue it. Awesome. For Tanya Howe, thank you so much for being on Play On and uh, Break Legs tonight as you uh, have another opening of 
our touring production of Midsummer Night's Dream. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Play On Podcast. Be sure to go back and listen to past interviews on the festival webpage. Check out the latest episode released every other Friday with your favorite directors, actors, and designers from our 2017 season. Thank you.